AJ Hillboy Horror Stories is doing an episode all about UFOs and aliens, it'll probably stop in two weeks. You're probably right. You are listening to HHS UF Only, a Hillbilly Horror Stories bonus episode. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of UF Only. <laughs> that sounds so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, I want to start out by saying that I am really fascinated by these older UFO stories. I know there's stuff that's happened a lot more recent and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But these ones from like the 50s and the 60s, they blow me away. So I've got two stories tonight. One is from 1956 and one from 1957. All right. Let's do it. All right. Both of these stories I found mind-blowing. So let's start with the one in 1956. It's early in the morning on September 4th, just a little before 8 a.m., and the people on I-70 in New Mexico were about to get the surprise of their life. Or the biggest scare. I guess it just depends on how you look at how it. Yeah. You, how you look at it. <laughs> so that's because a large disc-shaped object with a dome on the upper half, classic UFO-style yeah. flying saucer type deal, landed in full view of several drivers on a busy highway. Ooh. Now the ship didn't land on the highway. The highway was busy. The ship actually landed over about 150 feet from the road, which is still pretty damn close. Yeah, That's half a football field. Well, yeah. What do you think they said to their employees when they were late for work? I'm sorry, we were late, but a UFO landed. (laughs) Well, it's funny you mention that, because that's actually what we're getting ready to get into. (laughs) And this is why. Guess where those people, most of those people work? They're like a I don't know. (laughs) That's a good answer. (laughs) What's better than the fact that it landed? It was just 12 miles from Holman Air Force, Holman, I'm sorry, Holman Air Force Base. Well, that's what I was going to say. Some kind of, uh, you know, army or something like that. Yeah, the Holman Air Force Base was 12 miles away, plus White Sands Proving Grounds, which is a missile base. Yeah. So 12 miles away. The UFO caused all the cars closest to the uh, I-70 there to stall it backed up traffic for miles the radio stopped working in all these cars as well and this all took place for about 10 straight minutes Mm -hmm. so these cars were just standing there this gave a bunch of people a very long good look at this craft this included two air force colonels two sergeants and dozens of base employees and several civilians So after about 10 minutes, this thing took off making a loud whirling noise, which is odd because most of the time they say there's no noise. Right. And I don't think there was a noise until it took off. So I wonder if anybody had cameras back then. I don't know. Maybe somebody. Um, Doubtful. Really? Wow. Doubtful. Because in the 50s, there wasn't a lot of people probably carrying cameras around with them. That's true. Unless it was for your job or something. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. So the Air Force Base went nuts. The base commander immediately notified the Pentagon and told him exactly what happened. The Pentagon flew out a team of Air Force intelligence officers and CIA experts out to Holloman to kind of take a look at what was going on. 
and they wanted them to debrief the entire personnel of the base. So they assembled everybody in the base into a hangar and they questioned every one of them. (laughs) Whether they were out there or whether they weren't, they questioned everybody. They then swore everyone to secrecy, secrecy as to what they saw that morning. That, that would be tough. So when the, when the reports got back to the Pentagon, it was not what they wanted to hear. According to their experts, whatever this craft was, it was not made by any country on this planet. Oh, my gosh. Again, I know this will be something I'll probably repeat every week. How in the world... Can you have a busy road completely shut down because a craft lands? Not, hey, we're sitting looking at it from up here. It landed 150 feet from you. Mm -hmm. You got people from an Air Force base, colonels, sergeants, that all see this thing. They fly people in to debrief everybody and then swear them all to secrecy. And this was 1956, and we're supposed to believe... That they don't knew, didn't know it, uh, UFOs existed. Yeah, or, yeah. Come on now. I mean, right. what would they do to you if you told? Court martial you. Oh. <laughs> Same thing happened back in Roswell and all that. You know, they pretty much told them if you tell, you're you're giving out classified secrets from the military. That's something, that, and theoretically, you can be executed for that. Yikes. So, it's a good reason not to do it. This next story took place just a few months later. It it says it's it's just east of Jacksonville, Florida, and I guess according to a plane it would be, but it's about 150 miles. That's not really just east. That's yeah. a three-hour drive. Right, right. You know, well, two-hour drive. One, if you're driving. Anyways. Nice. <laughs> it was a Pan American Airways DC-6 plane, okay? It almost collided with a UFO. The plane, piloted by Captain Matt Van Winkle, he had just woken up from a long nap. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they had left New York and they were heading to San Juan, Puerto Rico. It was approximately 3.30 a.m. Flight 257 was on schedule over the Atlantic Ocean. They were flying a little bit further west than normal because there was a... Small course change because of some weather Mm -hmm. that they were expecting. So they were off course a little bit, but for the most part, they were doing okay and they were on schedule. Well, the flight was about 150 miles east of Jacksonville when the pilot was startled by by an intense light coming from below the plane. Well, that's weird. Right. They said it was below the plane and slightly to the right. After a few seconds, the captain's eyes kind of adjusted to the light. And he could see that it was a large disc-shaped object streaking straight towards his plane. To avoid crashing, he pulled back hard on the wheel and put the plane into a steep climb. This sent passengers bouncing all over the <laughs> oh, cabin. I can't imagine. Because you, you ain't got time to exactly turn turn on the, the yeah, seatbelt side. Right. So he just turned it up. The plane zipped up and people were just flying all over the place. Many of the passengers had to be treated for minor injuries upon landing in Puerto Rico. Mm. But how about that? Did they explain to him, the passengers, why he did that? I don't know if he explained to the passengers, but uh, when he told about what happened to his 
uh, air traffic controller into Pan American Air, mm-hmm. Airways. Once it was reported, they were they kind of just poo-pooed it away and said it just must have been another plane that got too close in airspace. Oh. Or, even though there was no record of anything on radar mm-hmm. of any plane in that airspace. That is crazy. They don't even have that air, airline anymore, do they? Pan, Pan Am, American? I don't think so. Yeah. I think they got bought up by United, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. God, that's crazy. I can't imagine seeing that thing coming right at you. Could you imagine being in a panic where you just have to... Yeah, I mean, good for him. I mean, that was pretty quick thinking. <laughs> Damn. Anyways, that's our little episode this week of UF Only. <laughs> pretty odd. Interesting stuff there. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.